This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Dan Pramat, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Monday, June 7th. Jeff Bezos is going up into space. Vice President Harris is down in Guatemala. And we're focused on the most consequential state in America, West Virginia. West Virginia is small. It ranks 41st in terms of square miles and 40th in terms of population. But its two senators, Democrat Joe Manchin and Republican Shelley Moore Capito, have the disproportionate power to determine, respectively, if a Democratic voting rights bill can get through Congress and whether President Biden can get Republican support for his giant infrastructure plans. Here's the quick state of play. Manchin is driving his fellow Democrats crazy because of his refusal to vote to end the filibuster and his opposition to a voting rights bill that House Democrats already passed. He renewed that opposition over the weekend in a Wall Street Journal op-ed, and what it means is that Biden either needs 60 votes of support for anything, including infrastructure, or needs to try jamming it through on a party-line vote via a method called reconciliation. But the trouble with reconciliation is it also needs Manchin's support, and he's yet to guarantee his vote for the current and scaled-down White House ask on infrastructure. Capito, on the other hand, is the lead Senate Republican negotiator on infrastructure with the White House. She met with Biden last Friday and is set to meet with him again today. The big obstacle so far isn't so much the dollars, the trillions versus billions, but so much as how to pay for them with Capito holding the GOP line of refusing to raise taxes, either on corporations or on individuals. So today we want to learn more about how these two West Virginians became so central to Americans' future and how this latest version of Infrastructure Week might play out with Axios political reporter Elena Treen. That conversation in 15 seconds. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We're joined now by Axios Politics reporter Elena Treen. So Elena, let's start here. Has West Virginia ever been in a position like this before, where it's kind of unusual politics have made it really critical to moving legislation through Congress? Uh, not that I've seen, especially since I've been covering Congress. I think that it's such a unique time right now for these two senators, for Joe Manchin and Shelley Moore Capito. One, because Joe Biden himself made his, you know, his entire campaign, really, when he was running for president, about unity and bipartisanship and reaching across the aisle. And then at the same time, though, he came into office and has a 50-50 Senate. And it's a very precarious balance here. And so Joe Manchin and, and Shelley Moore Capito have emerged in this dynamic as, I'd argue, you know, two of the most powerful U.S. politicians 
Republicans right now and just in general. And you have, you know, someone like Joe Manchin is kind of the last Democratic holdout in the state in West Virginia um, that's become increasingly red over the last few years. That's in part thanks to Shelley Moore Capito and her prominence and, and rising to become senator. And then you have someone like Shelley Moore Capito, who is very, very integral to helping Biden achieve that goal of becoming more bipartisan. And so they are central players. They're going to continue to be central players. And I think, you know, just to very succinctly answer your question, no, I haven't. I don't think West Virginia has been um, or has seen politicians like this where they've had so much prominence and power in D.C. Who Does Capito speak for lots of other Republicans? She's negotiating with Biden. But if she gets a deal with the White House, do all other Republicans just fall into line with that? Not all. She is, and this has been something that, you know, you hear in the halls up on Capitol Hill, that she is very much kind of in sync with Mitch McConnell here. Um, And I don't think that all other Republicans will just immediately fall in line. But so far, she's done a very good job of rallying her party around a deal. And that's really hard to do right now. I mean, we're seeing gridlock over and over again over huge issues and something like this, infrastructure, one of the most um, expensive packages that Biden will ever pass, having potentially bipartisan support is a big deal. And so I wouldn't say she speaks for all other Republicans, but as of now, most seem to be in line and supportive of what she's doing. She is meeting today at the White House with Biden to to try to kind of do more of this infrastructure jobs package negotiation. Does it seem that the Biden administration uh, is open to compromise with her almost even more than they are to compromise with Manchin? I don't know if it's more than to compromise with Manchin. It's hard. I think that it's still very unclear whether this will happen. I think that, I mean, I'm always skeptical of deals like this. I think striking a deal with Republicans on something as as big as infrastructure is going to be really hard and I'm not sure possible, but they're trying very hard as we've seen in all of these meetings. And I think that, you know, I think him working with Republicans on this is, like you're saying, I think if this negotiation with Republicans fails, I think that the Biden administration recognizes that they're not just going to get their way in, in what they initially proposed on infrastructure because of people like Joe Manchin or, or Kirsten Sinema who don't support, you know, the very progressive parts of the package that he's put forward. Speaking of Manchin, there is this op-ed over the weekend when you talk to Democrats on the Hill, you know, what is are they angry? Are they perplexed? Are they frustrated? What's kind of the emotion from Democrats when they read what Manchin wrote? I mean, they've been aggravated with him for some time now. He's become the Democrats, I mean, at least on the Democratic side, biggest obstacle to their own party. And that's because he is being very clear that he does not support moving forward in a in a totally partisan fashion with some things. And this is a big deal because Democrats control both chambers of Congress and the White House, and they're not going to have that. You know, if history shows, they're not going to have that for a long time. The House, you know, they'll probably, Republicans could potentially take the House. That's what history says they will do. We'll see. But um, that's why a lot of people are saying, let's do what we can while we control all of these different areas. And he's standing in the way and saying, no, I will not eliminate the filibuster. I will not support packages that are completely partisan. And and it could really, you know, it, it could derail a lot of key things that Democrats need and want to get done. I'm wondering, you know, I asked if the White House is more interested in negotiating with Capito than with Manchin. Let me ask it the other way. Is Capito more interested in negotiating with the White House than Manchin is? 
I don't think so. I think they both have, you know, different goals in mind. And they're also in step a lot with each other. Of course, they're different parties. Capito is, is a Republican. Joe Manchin is a Democrat. But they see... You know, they're both dealmakers. They both want to be bipartisan. I think that Joe Manchin does see himself, though, as preserving what he thinks the Senate is supposed to be, which is coming together and making these deals. And um, and, and it is difficult, but he's definitely, he's more liberal than Shelley Moore Capito. He agrees more with the White House on policy than she does. Um, but when it comes to negotiations, she has the power of of helping give insight to other Republican colleagues, whereas, whereas Joe Manchin is kind of seen as an obstacle to the party itself, which creates um, that difference between the two. You suggested earlier on that you think the prospects of an infrastructure bill, are, that it's anything but a slam dunk. Are we going to actually get a package, whether it be, you know, closer to what Biden originally wanted or closer to what Republicans want? I think so. I think there's not a question that they will do something on infrastructure. The question is what? And I think that they've been negotiating with Republicans for for several weeks, months now, and, and they've kind of set this week, this week of June 7th through the through the weekend as, as their deadline of... Okay, if we don't make progress this week with Republicans and in these bipartisan negotiations, we might have to move forward without them. And they do have the option uh, of going forward via reconciliation. And I said this before, but this is where, if they do do reconciliation, where people like Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema uh, will have a lot more power because they need to be on board with the package no matter what. You need 50, at least 51 people to be on board, 50 senators at least because you could have the vice president weighing in as the tie-breaking vote. Um, and that's where where the two of them are really key. What is the one thing you are watching over the next five days? When it comes to infrastructure, I think this is the make or break it week. If they're going to have a bipartisan deal on infrastructure, this is the week it'll happen. And I think the key there and why that matters so much is because it really shows whether it's a test of whether the two parties can get through gridlock in throughout Biden's administration. It's Biden's biggest campaign promise. He vowed to be bipartisan and have unity. And if these talks fall apart this week, I think that's going to kind of label him as as largely failing in that area, at least um, so far as we've seen big legislation from his administration. Elena, one last question for you. In addition to infrastructure, there's also this voting rights bill that Manchin signaled he doesn't support. What are you watching for there between the White House and the West Virginia senator? That bill, I mean, it always was going to face an uphill battle. That's something where you said infrastructure, will it get done? I think it has a chance. This voting rights package, I just don't see how it moves forward here. Unless they you know, eliminate the filibuster, which Joe Manchin has made very clear he is not willing to do, it's not going to pass. And so I just don't see how that bill has any potential of, of succeeding, at least in its current form. Axios is Elena Treen, who writes the nightly sneak peek newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. Welcome back. What we're also watching today is Jeff Bezos, who announced that he'll be flying on the first passenger flight for his space company, Blue Origin, which is expected to blast off on July 20th. Among those also on the suborbital flight will be Bezos's brother Mark and the winner of a charity auction, with the current high bid approaching $3 million. So we asked Miriam Kramer, who writes the Axios Space newsletter, to break down the PR versus the reality of Blue Origin's announcement. 
Jeff Bezos' decision to fly on the first passenger flight for Blue Origin's New Shepard is a huge vote of confidence for the company. It, it basically shows that their founder is willing to put his life on the line for this system that he believes will work. That said, it's not the first time that an extremely rich person has gone to space, though it is the first time a billionaire has you know, hitched a ride on his own rocket. You've had sort of space tourists, very rich space tourists, go into orbit, go spend time on the International Space Station. But the difference here is that Blue Origin system is suborbital. It flies about 100 kilometers up into the air where passengers can experience weightlessness and see the blackness of space against the, the brightness of Earth. And then they come back down. It's a very quick trip. It's sort of a taste of what space is like. Amazon investors, by the way, don't seem too concerned that Bezos is about to strap himself to the top of a rocket. Shares mostly flat today, maybe because he'll have shifted from CEO to executive chairman by then. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already following or subscribing to the podcast, do so. Have a great national chocolate ice cream day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. 